Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Whitley, and you're tuned in to another Wondering Whitley session. Tonight, I'm thinking about what you repeat, you retain. What you repeat, you retain. When I was in undergrad and I decided to become a dance major, I was technically a sophomore on campus. So it was my second year being at the university I attended, but as I auditioned for the dance program, I was a freshman. So I actually graduated in five years rather than four because I was like level one in all the techniques they had to offer <laughs> in dance. But I took this somatics class, which is a choreography one class and with this professor and I ended up failing the course. And I was scared because I was like, OK, they let me in on a probationary basis. They're going to drop me from this program because I'm at least supposed to make a C and above, a B and above in my um, technique classes. But they ended up keeping me on. But she failed me. What got me? She didn't fail me. I failed myself. But <laughs> she she made sure I retook that class. Not even because my dancing, like this is a dance course. I failed that class from my writing. And she told me early on from one of the very first papers that we did, she pulled me into her office and she was like, you know, Whitley, I watch you. You're a great dancer and you have a lot of potential. She was like, you add value to the conversation. She was like, you got overall good energy. But she said, when I look at your writing, your writing is not on the college level. And your girl was offended because I came from whenever we first started writing from fourth grade. I think that's when they introduced you to writing. You actually had to take like at the time for me, it was tax test in Texas. Um, now it's star, but I was always getting threes and fours and more fours than three, which means, you know, they put it on the scale from one to four, which means I was doing pretty good, but you know, in certain areas, I wouldn't even say in certain areas, I think after middle school, if I'm correct, they stopped teaching grammar and it's more so about content, like the storytelling aspect. So even in high school, it's more so, did you meet the prompts? Can you tell a story and not so much grammar, like putting a sentence together structurally and making sure the words you chose were were correct and the period and all of that, like proper grammar just isn't emphasized once you get past middle school. And I think even past seventh grade, I don't even know if it's gone over in eighth grade. I don't know. I haven't been in an English class um, in that grade level, but I don't, but also... If you, I mean, for me, I'm black. We speak a dialect naturally. Like we say y'all and we, you know, the language that we speak is like, you know what I'm saying? I say that a lot probably on here. <laughs> and now that you've heard me say it, you probably pay attention to that. And I'm trying my best not to say words. The words, the phrases, like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Um, And that's part of why I also listen to my own podcast to pay attention to that. So that's just a, 
a helpful hint. If you feel me pause, it's because I'm looking for a word or just giving myself space to not include a filler word. So when you hear me talk like I just did, it's because now that I've become aware that I use those phrases a lot, I'm trying not to do that. But that just goes to show that this type of language and the things that I'm trying not to say, there are people in their households that they speak the acceptable English language all day, every day at their dinner table between their parents. They speak the proper English that's acceptable for you to appear educated. Am I saying this right? Am I saying this wrong? No, I'm just saying what it is. When if I was to go out and speak all the slang that I am accustomed to from, you know, how I grew up, how I can talk amongst my friends. I don't we don't really use that language to each other so much now. But even as you grow up, like the language, I just said, like (laughs) even the language that you're used to speaking is what you're used to. So, of course. Just because you go to school, it's not going to turn off. Now, people can continue to correct it. But as I just said, when I got in high school, they're not so much scrutinizing grammar anymore. Like, yes, they'll tell you this needs to be a capital letter. This needs to be a period. But that noun verb agreement, compound and simple, like those type of things they're not really emphasizing. Now they're really focusing on, if I give you this prompt, do you know the beginning end of a story? Can you keep me intrigued? Do you have a good hook? Does your story flow? Does it keep me intrigued? Does the end wrap up what you presented at the top of the page? And does it give me more details in the body? That's mostly what you're looking at the next four years before you go to a college level. And so I say all of that to say. She pulled me into her office and saying that I wasn't on the college level, I didn't understand that. And I took offense to it, even though I knew, you know, she could point to she can point out the errors that I was making in my paper. And a lot of them were grammatical. It wasn't so much what I wrote because she said she liked the story of what I wrote. She can understand how I got there, but she had to take her time reading it to decipher it. And even the things she underlined and pointed out, regardless of what I felt like my educational level was, I couldn't deny what she pointed out to me. But yet I was still... (laughs) offended and she gave me resources we have a writing lab on the university that I went to and it's free to all students you can go there to help you with your writing they'll help you rewrite your papers all you got to do is tell them what you're working on where's the errors and you get free help it's like tutoring but I didn't want to do that I told myself I'm not about to ask and then she told me to ask She suggested two of my other peers and I didn't want to do that. 
to be honest, I thought I ain't going to such and such. Like I'm not about to go to this white girl and I'm just being honest with y'all. Don't use this against me. But even if you do, you know, this is just what it is. This is what I was thinking. I'm not about to go to her because I already felt intimidated because at the time in that dance department, it was about only a handful of us. And that was the majority anyway. So to be told my writing wasn't on a college level. And again, I came from a high school where I was used to being told I had excellent writing and then to be referred to a white girl that I know this is, you know, this is the dialect that they've been speaking at their dinner table since they since they grew up. And there's nothing wrong with that. She's not in the wrong. I'm not in the wrong for thinking that. But this is. So this is what I'm struggling with at the time. Like, no, I'm not going to go ask her because that would say that she's better than me at writing. And I don't think so. I just think that my dialect was different, but I wanted to hold on to the way that I saw things because of my education. So I had to repeat that class. And when I repeated that class, it was so interesting. It was so funny because I repeated that class and she didn't really change her syllabus from year to year. And, and it wasn't even a whole year. She does. The class was semester to semester. So I didn't even have to wait a whole year. I took it the following semester. Like I took it in the fall. I failed it and I took it again in the spring. So because I took it in the spring and all of the work was the same, I turned in a lot of my same work. We had some of the same conversations and she would always use me as an example because I had already had experience with the material because I repeated the class. <laughs> so I was able to retain the information because I had just taken the class literally like we had Christmas break and I'm back in here taking the same information. So I if I felt that class this time, it was really on me. And again, I only failed because of the writing component and it wasn't even a huge component. But she prized writing so much because like she told me and I'm so grateful for her to this day. She said, Whitley, I want you to be the full package. And unfortunately, we live in a world that you will be judged for the smallest things. And that includes your writing. What if you're what if you're the owner of a nonprofit organization or you're a teacher and you're trying to write a grant and you're going up against people who ha who have the language, who use the proper grammar in their writing it doesn't matter how smart you are, how talented you are. If people met y'all, you would probably excel in the interview. But if they just had your writing to go by as a first impression, you wouldn't make it through the door. And I really took that to heart. But then she ended up being the one who wrote on my behalf to NYU when other professors did not. And she was the only professor out of all my four years that corrected my writing even though I was writing in all of my classes. And I thought that was dope because she could have just allowed me to focus on dance only. But she was like, I want you to be the full package. And this is an area that will hold you back. 
So I had to continue to educate myself so much so I didn't take her seriously, but me failing that class, I woke up. I was that one that I needed to learn that lesson the hard way. And then after that, I took two more English classes that I didn't even have to take. I took them my senior year, back-to-back semesters. And in that last semester, the English teacher emailed me when the class is up. She said, you finished this class with the highest score in class. She said, I always enjoyed when you would get up and share your writing. And she was like, I always read your papers thoroughly through. And I wish to this day I would have kept that email. But that melted my heart when I was about to graduate in 2016. I was like, what? And it was people in that class who were English majors. I was just taking it as an extra elective. But one, I love that class, but I took it because I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to see had my writing gotten better. And that class was kind of hard too <laughs> to keep up with. But I say that to say I wanted to retain the information. I wanted to make sure that I was improving on my writing. And then when I got to NYU, which was the graduate school I went to, one of my very first papers, my director, she was also a professor at the class. She wrote at the top. She was like, Whitley, the material and the content you got here is good, but I need you to speak in an academic language. And she took about 20 points off. And I remember calling my line sister because she's very smart, very intellectual. She is working on her doctorate now. And at the time, she was already teaching at a university. And I think she's teaching at a university now, too. But she's she's the brains of the group. And I remember calling her. This is my first semester. I'm getting my first paper back, just crying like they won't let me make it because these papers like I've been working so hard on my writing. And she told me to read the note at the top. And she was like, Whitley, you know, they wouldn't have admitted you if they didn't see your potential because the university you at is super competitive. So she was like, first of all, relax. (laughs) But she got real with me. She said, you know, your professor is doing her job. If she didn't care, she wouldn't have said anything. She said, you know, there is in academic language, especially when you're in grad school, that you have to follow that protocol in your writing because you're writing as if it's going to be in a textbook. You're writing more research-based. She said, it's one thing if you're writing a novel that somebody can go pick up or they're, they're going to read as a story. And she said, based on what your teacher has said and things that you've told me in the past, you have that down packed. And so you'll be able to do both. But she was like, in this space, academic language does have a form. It does have a protocol. And you have to make sure that you're following that. So what did I do after that conversation? I'm so thankful for her being real with me on that. What did I go do? I went to the library. I was in the library like every sat, even on Saturdays, looking up how to write a literature review looking up how to what what does it mean to write a proper literature review without just stating my own opinion like these are things I'm looking up research about research and my professor ended up at the end using my 
my curriculum, 40 page curriculum as a prime example to other students. I got one of the highest scores on my literature review. And I'm in class with people who were in their 30s, 40s, who just came out of school with me. And I don't say all of this to brag on myself, but I say it to me. I've had obstacles in this space, but in order to retain the information, I had to repeat certain things, whether it was me having to repeat a course, whether it's me having to repeat the information that I was taking in so that I can retain it and learn a new way. Because the way that I was accustomed to, I grow, I grew up speaking how I speak. I grew up with a very slang and relaxed dialect in my household, in my community, in the schools that I went to. I grew up being told repetitively that my writing was pretty excellent. So the latter years of my life, (laughs) the last three, four, five years, the information that it wasn't all of that, that is shocking news. And at first I resisted it. At first I didn't understand, though I could see where the criticism was coming from. I could see that I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. It still took time for it to settle in my mind that I had to learn a new way. I didn't have to throw away what I knew because certain aspects of what I knew is part of who I am and it's part of what still allows me to connect to, to various audiences. But now I even have a broader reach because I can use different languages and I can expand my vocabulary and I can write in various different formats rather than just having a one track, being a one track pony when it comes to writing or speaking or expressing myself. But that took work for me to get there. That took me consistently getting new information. Like I said, in my last year of college, I didn't even need an extra humanities or writing credit. But I took two writing classes back to back. I can't even say it was just for fun. I was really trying to challenge myself because I knew I was applying to grad school and I wanted my writing to be competitive. So I knew that I just couldn't, I never did go to the writing lab. (laughs) I just ended up taking those classes, but I took my writing more seriously and it took time after I failed that class. And thankfully she pulled me aside to have that conversation, technically my freshman year in the dance program, because I had another three years to really focus and make that a an intentional spot because I was like, I cannot fill another dance class. Like, first of all, that's embarrassing. Second of all, like I was never one of those kids who can drop out of school and be like, you know, mom, college didn't work out. Like that was not happening. So I had to make something shake and I had to get better at this area that I struggled to understand why I was not doing well in the first place. So when I'm thinking about this conversation, I I say all this to say when I'm thinking about this conversation of what you repeat, you retain. I kind of touched on this in the episode of lifelong learning, and I don't know which number episode that is, but I highly recommend listening to that one. And I emphasize that 
it is important for us to always be feeding our mind new information, especially in areas where we may think we know or we may think we should know. But if we're really honest and really evaluating the results we're consistently getting, we're not happy with them or we want them to elevate or we're not getting good results at all. And you have to ask yourself, am I even settling in this situation? Am I really 100% happy in this type of relationship, the way this is going, the way that I'm treated, the, the, the time I've had to wait for X, Y, Z? Or do I need more information to, to get the results that I really want? Am I really happy with the work that I'm doing and the people that I'm around and the opportunities that I, are available to me? Or do I need to get more information so I can learn how to add value to myself in any place that I'm in so I can level up in my pay and my opportunities that are available to me? Am I really getting the results I want out of my friendships, out of my relationships, or do I need more information so that I know how to identify a real friend, so that I can know how to communicate rather than shutting down or reacting in a way that pushes people away or being able to communicate so I know that if I do have to let this relationship go, I can do it with a clear conscience because I got new information about what a healthy relationship looks like. Because believe it or not, we all have blind spots. We all have areas where we were taught a thing, even if it wasn't nobody sat down and put the lesson on a board. We were taught things even because we consumed it every single day in our experience. If you many people who end up being in attracting um, abusive partners oftentimes watch their mom or their dad fight or be some type of addict where they saw one partner stay and be codependent and try to fix that person or help them beyond their own sanity or their own health. And even if they don't want, even if they tell themselves, I don't want a partner like my dad, my dad was an addict or I don't want you know, I don't want to choose no or I don't want to be like my mom because she, you know, stayed too long. You can say that all you want, but unless you get new information to identify the ways in which you probably picked up those behaviors or picked up those characteristics or those traits or even, you know, seeing the ways that your self-esteem development was probably hindered. You are going to make the same mistakes. Now, it may look different. That's that's the tricky part. It may look different. Because your mom probably didn't keep men around, but she kept having kids by different men. And you may be looking at your life. Well, I haven't let no man get me pregnant. I haven't been with this or that different man. But what you picked up was probably not having self-worth. And so you may not, it may not manifest the same as you can judge it in your mom, but what it showed up as that you'll give a man years and years and years and years and years and won't see that you stay because you're also codependent and you don't know your own value. 
the same way your mom couldn't have known her value making those type of choices with men either. You could judge your mom like, oh, my mom was always angry. My mom always passive aggressive. I'm not going to be like that. And instead, you think because you're not always angry or because you don't say what you want or don't tear people down, that you also push away relationships because you're not real with your feelings. You hide your feelings and try to be this happy person all the time. And people can't trust who you really are. Or they, you know, they afraid to be themselves because all they see is perfection when they know that doesn't exist. And you the only one who don't see it. So we all got something. So until we stop and evaluate what was the messaging, the dominant messaging I received in any area. And even if I'm consciously telling myself I'm going to make a new decision, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to be this, I'm not going to do that. Have we really taken the time to look into our lives and see in what way has what I have, what I grew up seeing, what was my dominant conditioning, in what way has that developed my perspective? In what way has it developed my mindset? In what way has it, has it manifested into the way that I relate to women? In what way has it developed in the way I look at men? In what way does it relate to how I show up in the world? Because regardless of if we think it or not, or how healed we think we are, or how, you know, aware we think we are of other people's problems or identifying what our mom or dad or sister, brother, cousin, or friends aren't doing, we have picked up things too from our environment. And unless we're doing the work to put the mirror to our face to say, how has this shown up? Or has it shown up or has something else developed as a result of the environment I'm in? I don't know if y'all ever read nutritional packages, but I stay looking at uh, nutritional packages because you'll be surprised how much stuff when you're trying not to eat a certain thing or even when you are trying to eat a certain thing, you become hyper aware of when those things are there or when they not, it's just like if you go get a new car and you go get this car that you really don't never see nobody in. Like for me, when I first got my Nissan Versa, I, my very first car was a Nissan Versa and as a hatchback. I had never really seen people in that car around that time. Those Kia Souls was coming out with the light and this stuff. And that's really what I wanted. But I ended up getting a Nissan Versa. I mean, after that, you couldn't stop me from seeing Nissan Versa hatchbacks. I'm like, why is everybody in this car? But it's not that nobody had that car before. It was just now my awareness was awakened to this car it exists. It's a possibility. It's there. So once you get a thing in your conscious awareness, then you'll notice when everybody else has it or when somebody's doing it or is there. So I do the same thing with nutrition packages to where because I don't eat dairy anymore, some things I have to look at that you may not think has dairy in it. It'll say may contain 
soy or dairy or it will say manufactured with or may have come in contact with because of where it was processed it may have come in contact with dairy so you know there may be some remnants of it and i think it's so funny when i read that in labels but what i'm making a point to is that because whatever is in that box or whatever is in that container or that package was manufactured in a facility that also manufactures and processes wheat and soy and all of those things that you're trying to keep out of your diet, it could have, you know, got some cross contamination, which isn't always bad, but you know, depending on how bad it is and how they clean their stuff, it could be. So it's the same thing with you. The things that we saw in our immediate environment with our parents, guardians, friends, at our school, wherever we spent the most time, even if it's not showing up in our life verbatim, as we witnessed it, we there's a chance we got cross-contaminated with something. And the ways we can identify that is if we're making sure that the areas that we're not seeing results consistently in a way that we want to see them, we got to ask ourselves, okay, what are the blockages here? If it's your money and you know you got this great business idea or, you know, you're doing things to budget, but you, you can't seem to break that wall of what you, your family, everybody else has always made. There's a belief there that's keeping you stuck. And right before you pass it, it brings you back down to sabotage and you may not even notice what it is. Because there's a deep conditioning that this is this is what's safe. This is what we've always made. This is the everybody else has gotten a job and been happy for the rest of their life. Like everybody go get a career and ain't nobody making a yearly salary in one month, two months. So you can't do it. Nobody probably ever said that. Some families probably will, but nobody has probably ever said that. But that's a belief rolling around because you've only been exposed to a certain amount. You've only been exposed to everybody working a job and getting paid this set amount and staying here and being happy. So there, this, this conversation can reach different areas. But if you're experiencing results consistently in a way, in a space, in an area in your life, and you know you're not 100% happy with those results, it's time to start looking at that and saying, what new information do I need to get? Because what was repeated is what I have retained. What was repeated was what I grew up with every single day. If you're 28 like me, you spent the first 23, 24 years, whenever you fully moved out on your own, being conditioned one set way. If you grew up in religion the whole time and then you read a book or go somewhere and somebody tries to question what you've been taught and what you've been growing up on before you even realized you had memory. You're going to be hard pressed and you're going to be offended or trying to defend what you believe because the 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 crux of your identity has been built on what you've been told for 20 plus years of your life, for 18 plus years of your life, for 15, however you, however old you are, like that's what you were conditioned with. 
So to some, for somebody to question that or to say what you believe or what you've built your whole life on is wrong, you're going to have some resistance to that. You're not going to understand that. You're not going to be initially open to it the same way I wasn't when I was told my writing wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't on the college level. I want you like, what you mean? It got me into this college. <laughs> so what we retain, what we repeat, we, we're going to retain. So if we're repeatedly seeing results that we're not 100% happy with, and only you can decide if you're really happy or not. I know certain results in certain areas. I'm very real with myself. That's why I don't even worry about nobody being real or lying to me. The day I decided I was going to take 100% responsibility for what I was experiencing in my life, like I don't look to nobody to be real with me unless I really need some outside eyes or they're going to offer me that. You know, and I can identify it as real. I try to be as real as I can with myself, with the areas that I can see. And the best way I know how to do that is to look at my results and be real about whether I'm happy with them or not. And I know what's going to make me truly happy and what's going to make me like, well, you know, that's good enough. And I don't want good enough in any area. (laughs) I don't want good enough in any area. I don't want at least in any area. That's just me, though. That's just me, though. So I'm able to look at my results and be real with myself. Like, okay, why are these relationships not working out? Why are these friendships like doing some weird stuff? I'm going to look at me first. Why am I not seeing progress in this area and I feel like I'm focused on it? I'll ask those questions. I'm not afraid of asking myself those questions because I really want to know. Because some, until we begin to identify our patterns, our patterns come from things that we have repeated. It's just like when you're in kindergarten and some of your activities at that age, they teach you how to recognize patterns. So you may see a square, square, circle, square, square, circle, and then they'll have like a blank square circle. What's in the blank? A square, because you can now represent, you can recognize the pattern. It's not until we recognize our own patterns that we can begin to see, okay, this is a behavior that's repeated because of this. This is a behavior that repeats And because it's repeating, I'm repeatedly seeing these type of results. I'm repeatedly dealing with these type of men. I'm repeatedly getting this type of result in the end or beginning of my relationship. I'm repeatedly dealing with the same issue with my friends. I'm repeatedly seeing this problem when it comes to my finances. There's a pattern. There's a pattern in repetition, and that's what we will retain until we get new information. Whatever we repeat, continue to repeat because we are creatures of habit is the information is the results that we produce. If somebody, if when Kobe was alive, he was going in, shooting free throws, shooting free throws, shooting free throws and shooting threes so that when he get in the game, he just knows what it feels like. Jordan said the same thing. He's taking like 500 shots 
just to make a just to take at least 20 shots during a regular game or more. But it's like even under pressure, he's able to just know if that ball is going to make it when it leave his hand because he practiced those shots. He repeated it so much that in the game it became muscle memory. He was able to just retain it in his muscles, in his physicality. He was able to retain what it's supposed to feel like in order to make a shot, the form, the flow, what that wrist is supposed to do, what that opposite hand is supposed to do because he continued to repeat it and practice it. So if what you're repeating, and I also mentioned this in the episode about uh, our, your diet is more than what you eat. So if you haven't listened to that one, I will listen to that too. That our diet, what we consume through our ears, our eyes, what we're listening to, what we're watching every day, what we're reading, the conversations that we're having If repeatedly all those things are only entertainment, all those things are only things that keep us distracted, all of those things are things that are negative or that feed where you are, like the all men are dogs narrative, or you only going, you know, the government out to get it all. If everything that you watch, read, consume are theories that you cannot apply to make your life better. You're going to retain those results in your life because that is the information you're retaining. That is the information you're repeating. And so you're going to retain that level of results. And so if you want a new level of results, you have to repeatedly get new information. I don't just stop listening or reading something because I'm initially start seeing new results. No, I'm like, I want to sustain these results. And I know I only got these results when I started getting new information. And what I know for sure is that this information ain't embedded enough yet to where if I was in a real desperate situation, this would be my go to right now. It's in my conscious mind. But what's in my subconscious mind may be my old pattern. So I'm going to keep getting new information until this new information is my new programming. Because I was doing this old information for 25 years. This new information, I've only been getting it for a year and a half, two years. So you got to think about that aspect too. And that's what I talked about in the lifelong learning episode is that some of us wait until we're in a desperate situation or we need the help to try to learn what we need to learn about that subject or about that area, about relationships or about money. And it's cool because it's never too late. But even when you start seeing new results, you have to make sure that you're retaining that information. Or even when your problem is temporarily solved, you have to keep feeding yourself that new information. If you want to sustain your results or make sure you're getting results on a level that you want them. It's similar to when you go to a grocery store and they tell you don't go to the grocery store hungry because you're going to get more food than you need or you're going to start buying food that you're really not going to eat. You're not interested in eating, but because you went to the store starving, your mind couldn't really focus on the essentials. That if you would have went, you know, fully satisfied, you're not hungry, you can just go and you got a clear mind to get what you need and then be able to apply that and stick to your budget. But when we only go get information when we're in a desperate situation, we may go 
to the right source. We may go and get the right information and we may even apply it right, but we may apply it that one time. And do you want one-time results that probably won't stick? Or do you want results that you can sustain? Do you want results that you can duplicate, that you can multiply? I'm pretty sure you want the latter. So you have to continue to feed yourself that new information because just because you started getting new results in this area, your old wiring is still more dominant. This old wiring is just on the surface. It's just like how I've survived a lot of math classes. <laughs> when I was taking math, when I was in high school, I knew what to do in order to get an A in that class, which is play hyperattention, use those formulas like they said. But if I would have took a summer break, which I did, and I came back and I had to take that same math again, I wouldn't have remembered nothing, especially the harder the math got. Like when we got an algebra and all those numbers with the letters and stuff, it was like, oh, goodness. <laughs> it, I, my memory just wasn't there because I trained myself to, mem to memorize what I needed for that semester or for that year to be successful with that year. Understanding that I'm not going to use this information no more. Or I might use it, but I'll I'll be able to get through what I need. And I don't use algebra <laughs> on a daily basis. And I don't remember the last time I have, you know, unless I'm just not seeing it in life. But when I was in those classes, I memorized what I needed to memorize at the time to solve the problems that I needed to solve in that season. But beyond that, I went back to. I need to know simple math. I use more simple math when I'm dealing with money. I use the math that we learned from first to fifth grade. Simple math and division and multiplication. Like the very basic math is math that I use every single day. And that I retain. But when you realize how long they teach simple math, you never stop learning addition in any math. You never stop learning multiplication. Now, when they start adding them letters, that's another thing. But you never really, really start learning the division or multiplication, subtraction or addition. Those are all going to be basic principles of any type of math. So you get that repetition throughout the years, even when they start adding on all of these other variables. So that way. When you long out of school, you never really forget two plus two. You never really forget. You might forget, you know, nine times nine, but you never really forget how to do that math if you really want to figure it out. It don't take a whole lot, <laughs> you know, like even if you got to count nine, nine fingers, nine times on your on your fingers or toes, like you'll be able to do that. Because that's the basic level of it. And it was repeated so many times throughout your educational experience. So that's what I have for y'all tonight. Is to think about what you're repeating. Because what you repeat is what you'll retain. If you can look out and be honest about the results that you're getting. And this is in any area of life. Or if you got areas that you want to improve on and you're not seeing the results that you want, it, it's a great idea and it's a great time to start looking at, you know, what have I been repeating 
What new information am I taking in? And then am I applying that new information? Because knowledge is not power if it cannot be applied. It's just a theory. So we have to also start applying the information that we're getting and making sure that we understand that it takes a consistent repetition even when we start seeing the results. Because you want to be able to sustain them and then multiply them, understanding that your old pattern, you've been doing that for more years than you've been getting this new information. And if you want this new information to become your norm, that needs to continue to be repeated to override what you know so well. So I love you so much. If you want to reach out to me, um, I would love to hear from you. You can ask me questions because sometimes y'all be, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. So if you listen to this consistently and you want to hear me, my experience on a certain topic, you can go to my email address. I think it's d.a.n.c.e. It's just dance, but it has a period all in between because it's an acronym at WhitleyNGreen.com. You can also find that on my website at WhitleyNGreen.com. My blogs are also there. Arts Feminine on Twitter, The Feminine Arts Academy on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, Wit With Hooray on Instagram and Facebook. No, on Instagram. <laughs> Wondering Whitley on Instagram and Facebook. But I love y'all so much. Remember, get in alignment and receive your assignment. I'll talk to you soon.